0: How the empty deception of climate change entices the Christian mind. That is a topic we'll discuss today, right here on the Christian Worldview radio program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host. The Christian Worldview is a listener supported ministry. We are able to reach believers and non-believers with that mission through the radio station, website, or podcast platform on which you are listening today because of the support of listeners like you. So thank you for your prayer, encouragement, and support. You can connect with us by visiting our website, thechristianworldview.org, calling our toll-free number, 1-888-646-2233, or writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331 five, Environmentalism, then global warming, now climate change or creation care to some Christians, is one of the most useful means to achieve humanistic ends of global control. Energy is a fundamental aspect of life. Our bodies need energy to survive and therefore we eat animals and plants which require energy to farm and harvest, which require energy to transport to markets, which require energy to build and cool and heat, which need power plants to produce, which need people to operate who need energy to live, and, well, you get the circular cycle here. So if, quote, the science can be, quote, settled that humans' use of fossil fuels, like coal and natural gas and petroleum, are harming the earth and threatening our very existence, then the powers that be must, quote, act to save us from self-annihilation through restricting the energy we use to live and eat and travel and work and much more. So this is why dire predictions of climate catastrophe are constantly being peddled, to create fear so that people will accept the control governments seek to impose on our lives. Climate change is about control, power, money, and global governance. Otherwise, the scaremongers wouldn't be hypocritically living in large energy-sapping estates and flying here and there on private jets. But there's something even deeper here, which we'll discuss today. That climate change is at its core a religion, which rejects worship of the creator and instead worships the creation and the creature, man. This is exactly what the Bible says about the God rejecting in Romans 1 verse 25, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Ideologies like climate change that seek to mislead Christians to gain their support will invariably use language and concepts of scripture to entice them to their side. Climate change plays into Christians' desire to care for God's creation, to have compassion on those ostensibly harmed by climate change, to, quote, love our neighbors, to, quote, do good in our world, and to certainly not be outsiders by questioning the so-called experts. This weekend on the Christian Worldview, Daryl Harrison, co-host of the Just Thinking podcast, which is, quote, a long-form expository podcast that boldly confronts cultural, social, political, and theological issues through an orthodox biblical worldview, unquote, joins us to discuss how the empty deception of climate change entices the Christian mind. Daryl and his co-host Virgil Walker just did an episode on a biblical theology of climate change that reveals how climate change is a religion that Christians need to discern as unbiblical. Now, in case you're thinking, well, you both are not scientists. You're not qualified to talk about this. Well, as Christians, we all are qualified to measure all things against scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, but examine everything carefully, and that includes climate change. It goes on to say, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. In fact, anyone, including scientists, who say there is no God, Scripture has a word for them, Psalm 14.1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. Let's strive to get a biblical worldview, a truthful one, on this issue of climate change. Daryl, it's so good to have you back on the Christian Worldview radio program. What motivated you? to do this podcast. And I think it was your longest podcast ever on this issue of climate change.
1: Uh, We had a similar motivation for this topic, David, that we did in the episodes that we did on Black Lives Matter and critical race theory. We sort of surveyed the evangelical landscape and sort of came to the conclusion that we couldn't find any platform within evangelicalism that was addressing the topic of climate change expositionally. No one was really exegeting what that idea that ideology was comprised of at a very detailed in-depth level uh so that's really what motivated us uh to to spend so much time on this particular topic which as you just alluded to is is over three and a half hours long
0: daryl harrison with us today here on the christian Worldview. at the beginning of the podcast you spent a lot of time on defining terms how language is so important in all the debates going on today, but specifically for our conversation today, this one.
2: Mm-hmm. Here's
0: how I would simply define climate change in layman's terms. It's the debated assertion, because it is debated. It's it's not settled mm-hmm. science, as they'd like you to believe, right. that humans are catastrophically impacting the Earth's temperature and weather patterns through carbon, carbon dioxide being released into the atmosphere as a result of burning fossil fuels, such as gasoline, coal, and natural gas. And we burn these for, for energy, heater homes, industry, transportation, planes, trains, and automobiles, farming to feed cattle and so forth. There's lots of burning of fossil fuels and so forth. Even the release of gases by cows are are, are suspect to the environmentalists. And so mm-hmm. that's how I define climate changes. And the theory is that the carbon being emitted or released in the atmosphere creates a type of greenhouse effect for mm-hmm. the sun, where the sun rays come down that holds in the temperature. So the temperature rises and the weather patterns change and they get more extreme because of this human-caused release of carbon through burning fossil fuels. Is that in the ballpark of what you're talking about, so we know what we're talking about when we talk about climate change?
1: Yeah, that's definitely in the ballpark, David. Matter of fact, that definition, if I could use a baseball uh, vernacular, you you just hit an inside-the-park home run with that one. And the emphasis has to be on catastrophically, uh, because regardless of – who you listen to, everyone within the sort of climate change choir are painting the most apocalyptic, the most doomsaying scenario that anyone could ever think of. I mean, just before this interview, I was looking at a video of someone with the United Nations who was saying that we've now moved from global warming to global boiling. It was the term that he used. So, So the apocalyptic construct. Of climate change always gets more and more apocalyptic every single time. What Virgil and I set out to do in this episode on a biblical theology of climate change is to, first of all, make the distinction and then reinforce that distinction that climate change has nothing to do whatsoever with biblical stewardship of God's creation. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. Climate change has to do with the worship of God's creation not the stewardship of it. We want to make that clear. As we talk about the rhetoric the,
0: of the, the catastrophe that's coming our way that we've been hearing for decades, uh, here's what Al Gore, uh, former vice president, uh, the producer of the film Inconvenient Truth, which is all about global warming. That's how it was termed back then uh, in the early 2000s. I think it released in 2006. Here's what he said this year at the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, Switzerland.
2: That's the part of the atmosphere that has oxygen, the troposphere, uh, and it's only five to seven kilometers thick. That's what we're using as an open sewer. If you could drive a car straight up in the air at interstate highway speeds, you get to the top of that blue line in five minutes. And all the greenhouse gas pollution would be below you. We're still putting 162 million tons into it every single day. And the accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate at refugees predicted to reach 1 billion in this century. Look at the xenophobia and political authoritarian trends that have come from just a few million refugees. What about a billion? We would lose our capacity for self-governance on this world. We have to act.
0: Heated rhetoric wouldn't come close to describing Al Gore in that particular audio clip, Daryl. 162 million tons of greenhouse gas Uh, into this troposphere. It's like as much heat as like 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the earth. So getting beyond that rhetoric for just a second, I think the key question is, even before we get to how Christians are enticed by this issue of climate change and so forth, and they confuse it for biblical stewardship, I think a very key question to ask is this. Is it actually true that humans are causing catastrophic or really even any damage to the climate and ourselves through the burning of fossil fuels?
1: Yeah, so the simple answer to that question, David, is no. As a matter of fact, Virgil and I make the point in the episode that climate change is a solution looking for a problem. There is, there is no problem. There's no problem. And it's, it's, it's ironic that you use the term heated rhetoric as Al Gore talks about the oceans boiling and everything burning up. I mean, 600,000 Hiroshima bombs every day. I mean, as I'm listening to that clip, I'm wondering, Al Gore, are you even listening to yourself? Because if the statistics that he is rhetorically asserting are reality, he wouldn't even be able to stand there and speak. He would be dead. He would be lying on the floor dead. That clip is just one more example of what I said earlier. It's just an apocalyptic worldview. It's a fear-mongering, fear-based ideology that gets, uh, gets people to tap in to a non-reality. They'll throw these statistics out. They'll throw these numbers out. They have no basis in fact, no basis in truth. And even the climate change uh, evangelists don't even agree. There's no consensus on, even amongst themselves. On what climate change really is. That's why they keep moving the dial, even even since from Al Gore's book, An Inconvenient Truth, the dial has moved back in the 70s. People were talking about how the earth was going to ice over. Well, they had to recalibrate that. Now it's now we're with the United Nations. We're the 2030. We're all going to burn alive by 2030. Now I've seen statistics where cities in America are going to be totally underwater by 2050. The definition of climate change keeps changing because the narrative keeps changing and the narrative keeps changing because the agenda keeps changing. And we have as Christians, we have got to learn what I call exegete the culture. All these worldviews begin with words. You have to resist the urge to embrace the terms and the vernacular that the world is using. Stop and ask yourself for a moment, what do they mean by climate change? What does that even mean? You must start there by exegeting that language. And then once you do that, then you can form a construct by which you can address these terms and ideologies biblically. Daryl Harrison is
0: our guest today here on the Christian Realview radio program. He is the co-host of the Just Thinking podcast with Virgil Walker. And we have that podcast linked at our website, org. Our topic is how the empty deception of climate change entices the Christian mind. Daryl's also the director of digital platforms for grace to you. Now Daryl, if the narrative here is so overblown and overheated and there's so many predictions that have just failed to come true, we'll get to more of those in just a minute here. Why is it so accepted by purportedly educated and smart people and and promoted tirelessly and relentlessly by certain scientists? politicians, corporations, academics, the United Nations. What is behind this if it's if it's just so blatantly disputed and false in the
1: rhetoric? That's a great question, David. I think there are many ways to answer that question, but primarily I would say is because, and we argued this in the episode, that climate change is, is a religion. It is not about putting litter in its place. It's not about biblical stewardship. It's not about preventing oil spills. It's not about traditionally be called environmentalism in the in this in the sense that we don't want to deliberately clutter the planet unnecessarily. Climate change is a worldview and you have it being embraced by the types of people and organizations that you mentioned because underneath all of this is a worldview that those folks have in common. We argue and we give evidence of this from firsthand sources that uh, a lot of this movement is being driven by Darwinian evolution it's being driven by environmental Marxism it's being driven even to certain degrees, certain degrees by communism. So climate change is a worldview that is embraced by these individuals and organizations because it is an ideology that they themselves subscribe to. We demonstrate that climate change uh, is, is fundamentally influenced by Population reduction. I mean, this goes back decades and we take our listeners all the way back to the 1960s to connect the idea of population reduction through abortion, primarily to this idea of saving the planet. You get all these people embracing climate change and sort of tethering themselves to this movement because the ideologies and worldviews that undergird it are the same ideologies that they themselves have subscribed to. In real life, who doesn't want to keep the oceans clean? Who doesn't want to uh, make sure our our water supply is safe? Who doesn't want to find uh, better, more efficient, earth friendly ways to uh, industrialize and to uh, build and produce the uh, products, goods, and services that we uh, as a society believe will benefit us uh, as a human race? Uh, That's common sense. But that's not what we're talking about with climate change. The Climate change is a religion. It has a theology. It has a soteriology. That is, it has a doctrine of salvation. It has a doctrine of God. And it also has a homardiology. It has a doctrine of sin. That doctrine of sin is the use of fossil fuels. The theology is the pagan god Gaia or Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. The soteriology, the way of salvation, is population reduction. So that's why these people and organizations are banding together. To promote and propagate this lie is because they subscribe to those same ideologies themselves and that's exactly the case it really is a religious system of works
0: righteousness as well that you you recycle and you care for the earth and you reduce your mm-hmm. carbon footprint and so forth and mm-hmm. you you earn credits uh mm-hmm. to to appease this this god of gaia and i want to get mm-hmm. into that in just a few minutes again too you spend quite a bit of time on that this this, this pagan religion of Guyanism, which is, is worship of the creation, rather mm-hmm. than the worship of the creator. Before we get into that, we'll take a brief pause for some ministry announcements. You are listening to the Christian Worldview radio program. I'm David Wheaton. You may recall that last year, the Christian Worldview had the opportunity to expand to new markets, such as Salem stations in Los Angeles, Phoenix, Denver, Atlanta, and Washington, D.C., life-changing radio network in the Northeast, an American Christian Network. We expanded for one purpose, to reach new listeners with the biblical worldview and the gospel. If you listen to the program on one of these stations, we are asking for your help, as we are well behind recouping our cost of airtime through listener support. We are praying for new Christian worldview partners who will help us remain on the air in these markets. The next few months are critical as we evaluate whether to continue or discontinue on these stations, and we are trusting God, whatever His will. If you'd like to help, please call us toll-free at 2233 and tell Rosie you'd like to become a Christian Worldview partner, or go to thechristianworldview.org and click on Donate. It's critical for Christians to understand the moral depravity that has taken captive our nation. The LGBTQ movement is loud and proud on our main streets, but even more troubling, has pushed into evangelical churches under what's called gay Christianity. M.D. Perkins' book, Dangerous Affirmation, The Threat of Gay Christianity, explains, the way gay Christian activists are rethinking theology, biblical interpretation, and the nature and purpose of the church in order to infiltrate conservative evangelicalism. The only antidote is to know and stand firm on the truth of God's Word. Dangerous Affirmation is 239 pages, soft cover, and retails for $24.99. For a limited time, you can order it for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Just go to thechristianworldview.org or call toll-free 646 2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota 55331. Welcome back to The Christian Real I'm David Wheaton. Be sure to visit our website, thechristianrealview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print letter, order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Our guest today is Daryl Harrison. He's the co-host of the Just Thinking podcast. And our topic is how the empty deception of climate change entices the Christian mind. We played the soundbite with Al Gore spouting off, I guess you could say, about how horrible things are going to be here that was in this year in 2023. Well, he's made lots of predictions and others have made lots of predictions in the past that just plain haven't come true. Why aren't these people completely discredited after things like
2: this are said? What scientists are telling us now is that the threat of an ice age is not as remote as they once thought. At weather stations in the far north, temperatures have been dropping for 30 years. coasts, long free of summer ice, are now blocked year-round. According to some climatologists, within a lifetime, we might be living in the next ice age.
0: Back in 2006, I think you said that within a decade, there'll be no snows on Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro today, there's still snow on Kilimanjaro.
2: The entire North Polar ice cap during summer, during some of the summer months could be completely ice free within the next five to seven years.
1: Glacier National Park removing those signs around the park, stating all the glaciers would be melted by 2020. Glacier National Park spokesperson Gina Kurtzman says
2: since the early 2000s, scientists have reflected and analyzed data stating glaciers would be receding by 2020. First time they're finding polar bears that have actually yes. drowned. Swimming long distances, up to 60 miles to find the ice. The,
0: the sequence that Al Gore used in his film of drowning polar bears he was really trying to dramatize an incident of a few bears that were found a few years before that in 2004 that were um, assumed to have drowned
2: after a major storm
0: they're all false predictions made by these prophets of climate change al gore and others why doesn't that discredit or at least temper the narrative on climate change, again, these are ostensibly smart people who, quote, follow the science, follow the evidence. Why doesn't this discredit these people making these predictions, or at least temper this, this apocalyptic narrative?
1: Yeah, because those are the same people who are propagating the narrative. I mean, they don't need to establish uh, objectively what they're talking about. They don't, because they're all members of the choir, the same choir, singing the same hymns, singing the same climate change apocalyptic hymns, and they see themselves as as being part of the same power structures that's going to come out the other side of all this once all their uh, unfounded predictions come to full fruition. And I think it's important, David, that your listeners understand climate change as a movement. This is a movement that is headed towards something. and You just demonstrated that with the clips that you just played. It doesn't matter who the climate change evangelist is. They are going to try to establish the most apocalyptic scenario that they possibly can, and they'll never be challenged to prove objectively that what they're saying is true. When Al Gore talks about generically, right, he can just generically say, well, now we're seeing reports of polar bears drowning. Well, where are we seeing these reports? Where's the evidence of this? But he doesn't have to present any of that. Now, contrary to that, what Virgil and I do In the episode that we've done on climate change, we have close to 80 citations in this three and a half hour episodes, most of which come from people like Al Gore, Greta Thunberg, and others who uh, are making these sort of open-ended claims with no objective evidence to, to, to prove the veracity of what they're saying at all. We point out, as a matter of fact, several organizations who define climate change as simply changes in weather patterns, as if... What a historical record establishes for a nation like Italy or the United States or Mexico or somewhere off in the sub-Sahara, if shifts in temperatures vary based on a subjective number that they've just plucked out of thin air, that means that we're doomed. We point out in the uh, the episode, uh, we go back 500 years to a quote from John Calvin who says the planet is not so regulated as to produce perpetual uniformity of seasons. Mm. But that's the lie that the climate change evangelists want you to believe, that the Earth should sustain a perpetual uniformity of seasons. And when it doesn't do that, then there's something wrong and we have to fix it. It's absurd. It is absurd.
0: You know, even this summer, we're hearing left and right how this is the hottest summer in record and so forth. And of course, that's just not true. And people look at a storm and then immediately there's this is this is the result of climate change. It, It is so simplistic as to defy belief, the conclusions that are so quickly made. Daryl Harrison with us today here on The Christian Real View. He's the co-host of the Just Thinking podcast. We have that excellent podcast linked at our website, thechristianrealview.org. We're talking about how the empty deception, and that that phrase is chosen specifically from Colossians chapter 2, where we're not to, to believe the empty deception of the world how that empty deception of climate change is enticing the Christian mind. And Daryl, you've been alluding to the worldview, the religion behind this, almost in every answer today. So let's get into that now, how the worldview of climate change. You, You talked about Darwinism and naturalism, Darwinism that we're here because of the random evolution that there's no God and we just evolved from a lower form of life that somehow spontaneously came to be. Naturalism, how only what is in nature exists. There's nothing beyond the natural world. There's no supernatural world. You talked about paganism, but you spent a lot of time on this religion of Gaianism. Explain what that is and how that is so integral to climate change believers.
1: This is really the heart of what is undergirding the whole climate change movement. It is, it is rooted in a pagan pantheistic a uh, religious worldview called Guyanism. Guyanism is, rooted, is is taken from the word Gaia, which, or gi for short, uh, that represents some mother earth. So in Guyanism, the earth is personal. The earth not only is alive, it is life. So in Guyanism, the earth is always referred to in prop, as a proper pronoun. So the earth is always capital E. It's always referred to in the feminine as a feminine pronoun, never a masculine pronoun, and which is where you derive the idea of Mother Earth. So mm-hmm. in Gaianism, it's a religious philosophy that grants the earth living properties. So the, the earth is equated to, to a higher status than even human beings. The earth is to be worshipped. It is to be worshipped as a personal entity, wherein humans are not the pin- pinnacle of of what they would call evolutions. Humans are suborned underneath the earth. So everything that humans do or don't do must be uh, for the sake of preserving Gaia. So in in Gaianism, everything about our existence depends on Gaia. So when, when something goes wrong with the earth, it upsets Gaia Gaia is angry. So all the tornadoes, all the hurricanes, all the floods, the earthquakes, every what we would normally call a natural disaster or prior to Gaianism, prior to climate change, an act of God. No, this is Gaia responding angrily to how human beings are treating her. So this truly is a religiously driven worldview.
0: You even hear people who wouldn't even know about Gaianism, or maybe wouldn't consider themselves religious will say something in response to some, quote-unquote, natural disaster that happens, a huge hurricane. Well, look what we're doing to the earth, and we almost deserve this. It's, we've sinned against the earth, and now we're getting repaid by, quote, Mother Earth. There was a website you mentioned, was it Guyanism.org, that people can go to read about this worldview?
1: That's correct. Guyanism.org. Gaianism is G-A-I-A-N-I-S-M.org. Guyanism.org. And you can read it from the proverbial horse's mouth. It's all laid out there. Right. And you ex-
0: quoted extensively from that website. Now, th- this idea of climate change as a religion, what's interesting is that the religion of climate change crosses religious boundaries. It's very ecumenical. Talk about how climate change is just the perfect cross-religious worldview that can unite people from many different parts of
1: our world. Even as I contemplate that question, David, I'm thinking about how even in our sinfulness, there's something innate to human nature that wants to save us. Even the most sinful human being knows that there's something wrong with how humanity is living. But the default of the unregenerate person is to, is to look to the same person who's calling the, causing the problem to save us from the problem. That's an irony that we have here with uh, climate change. So you were very correct earlier. Is climate change is a very ecumenical worldview. It's a worldview whereby we are self-salvific, where the problem is us, but then the savior is us at the same time. Hmm. And what makes this so dangerous for the evangelical church is that it taps into, climate change taps into, the ecumenical aspect of it, taps into a moralistic uh, view that many professing Christians have of Christianity. They see Christianity as a moralistic faith where you do good, you don't do bad, and as we do good, we, uh, we ingratiate ourselves more to God. But they don't recognize that within climate change, this is a uh, this is heresy. Climate change is heresy, as well-intentioned as a professing Christian might be in wanting to tether themselves to uh, an idea that takes better care of the creation. And again, climate change isn't that. But just for the sake of conversation, they might want to tether themselves to an idea that professes anyway to want to motivate humanity to take better care of the earth. Even that desire is misplaced because climate change is not that. Climate change is worship of the creation, not the creator. It's Romans 1. And as Christians, we cannot attach ourselves. We cannot identify, even to the most minute degree, we cannot identify ourselves with a movement like this that is fundamentally about exchanging or inverting the creator-creation dynamic. Climate change inverts that. It puts, the, it puts the creation above the creator, and then it replaces the true creator of the earth with a false god named Gaia.
0: So, Daryl, explain how this issue of climate change is yet another issue like the LGBTQ movement, the social justice movement, how it's an intersectional issue where these purportedly oppressed peoples band together to advocate and push toward a Marxist change to our
1: society. The pride movement began as a a movement that was exclusively, or, or at least purportedly, to be about homosexual rights, lesbian rights. But what you're seeing now, as the pride movement gains traction politically, you're seeing other ideologies bleed into the pride movement, and climate change is one of those ideologies. So as it relates to the church, you're hearing, you're you're seeing more and more, especially mainline denominations, embrace the pride flag in a broader construct than just LGBTQ. Pride now has to do uh, with LGBTQ. It has to do with climate change. It has to do with social justice. It has to do with equitable distribution, redistribution of wealth. It has to do with all those things. All those things are now represented within that sort of rainbow flag that used to be exclusive to just one group of people. So that's a, that's one of the more surreptitious ways that this idea of climate change is starting to bleed in to the evangelical church. And as Virgil and I make this point in the episode, that climate change has become just the latest bandwagon, quote, gospel issue, unquote, that the church has to be concerned about. So whenever these sort of Trojan horses... Are coming at the church, it's always framed within, well, that's a gospel issue. Climate change is a gospel issue and then mm-hmm. next thing you know, the church is just piling right on. They're, they're, they're following it like the Pied Piper. Beware of that pride flag because it's, it, it is more than just an LGBTQ symbol. It is a now a sort of universal representation of many, many ideologies of which climate change is just one. Daryl mm-hmm. Harrison with us today here on Christian
0: Worldview, the co-host of the Just Thinking podcast, we highly recommend you listen to that, subscribe to that podcast, especially their latest one, which we're discussing today around this issue of climate change. We'll take a brief pause for some ministry announcements. You are listening to the Christian Worldview radio program. I'm David Wheaton. You may recall that last year, the Christian Worldview had the opportunity to expand to new markets such as Salem stations in Los Angeles, Phoenix, Denver, Atlanta, and Washington, D.C., Life-Changing Radio Network in the Northeast, and American Christian Network. We expanded for one purpose, to reach new listeners with the biblical worldview and the gospel. If you listen to the program on one of these stations, we are asking for your help, as we are well behind recouping our cost of airtime through listener support. We are praying for new Christian Worldview partners who will help us remain on the air in these markets. The next few months are critical as we evaluate whether to continue or discontinue on these stations, and we are trusting God, whatever His will. If you'd like to help, please call us toll-free 2233 and tell Rosie you'd like to become a Christian Worldview partner, or go to thechristianworldview.org and click on Donate. It's critical for Christians to understand the moral depravity that has taken captive our nation. The LGBTQ movement is loud and proud on our main streets, but even more troubling, has pushed into evangelical churches under what's called gay Christianity. M.D. Perkins' book, Dangerous Affirmation, The Threat of Gay Christianity, explains, the way gay Christian activists are rethinking theology, biblical interpretation, and the nature and purpose of the church in order to infiltrate conservative evangelicalism. The only antidote is to know and stand firm on the truth of God's Word. Dangerous Affirmation is 239 pages, soft cover, and retails for $24.99. For a limited time, you can order it for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Just go to thechristianworldview.org or call toll-free 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331 five, Welcome back to the Christian Real View. I'm David Wheaton. Be sure to visit our website, thechristianrealview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print letter, order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Our guest today is Daryl Harrison. He's the co-host of the Just Thinking podcast and also the director of Digital Platforms for Grace to You. Our topic is how the empty deception of climate change entices the Christian mind. Daryl, the great veil that is held up that hardly anyone gets to see behind uh, is quote unquote the data. How is the data collected for climate change? What is accepted? What is not accepted? Uh, how it's interpreted, what what kind of data is cherry-picked, all the variabilities of data. And you mentioned this between all the different scientific organizations. They don't even agree with one another. The the fact that Mm -hmm. we have very limited historical data. How long have we been collecting weather data? 150 years maximum? Mm -hmm. You know, the Earth Mm -hmm. has been around for thousands of years. According Mm -hmm. to them, millions of years. So how would you know? Or or the other issue that doesn't get often discussed is the profitability of of being on the right side of this climate change issue, the the the, mm-hmm. the government narrative side, the United Nations mm-hmm. side. The, you get huge multi-million dollar grants and so forth if you you push this narrative. This is a nearly impossible I mean even trying to discuss this issue, it is so big and so all-encompassing and so international. It's nearly impossible for anyone, let alone just a regular person to to wade through and understand this really protects those pushing the narrative because it just seems like this tsunami of quote data overwhelming you and it's being parroted and repeated everywhere. So how can biblical Christians get around
1: this relentless narrative? Wow. Yeah, that's a great, and and that's the goal is to encourage biblical Christians to not fall for this narrative and know how to navigate it. Uh, Again, going back to my point earlier, in our conversation, David, we have to be exegetes of the culture. We have to be willing to ask questions. You see, I think as profession Christians, we, uh, there's so much emphasis placed on, you know, and, I, and I've always argued that every Christian is an apologist, right? It's 1 Peter 3.15. You need to be ready to give a defense for what you believe. But I think we've sort of bought into this idea that we just have to be so nice and polite that we don't even ask questions. The first response to the lie of climate change is that Christians have to know and not be afraid to ask questions. We need to push back on these uh, uh, terms and ideas and ask, oh, wait, hold on a second. What do you mean by that? So your point about the data, uh, see, no, they're not pressed on the data because the data is all, all subjective. That's why they keep, see, if the, see, see, facts remain facts regardless of the situation or the scenario. But as I said earlier, these climate change alarmists, they keep changing the narrative. They keep changing the agenda. They keep changing the data points that matter. is it always changing because their agenda is changing. This is why you have the people who uh, are advocating this from the top down. This is where ESG comes in, the environmental, social and governance uh, comes in, that whole idea of ESG, whereby those who uh, buy into this, See, they're going to be protected, as you said. They're the ones that are going to benefit from this. You'll be able to get loans. They won't debank you. They won't close your banking accounts. You'll be able to bank. You'll be able to shop. You'll be able to travel everywhere. You'll have no restrictions placed on you whatsoever. And and so there is a benefit to a class of people, if I could use that term. There's a class of people who will benefit from this. But people like me and you, we're going to be made subservient to this sort of socially Marxist, environmental Marxist worldview, and we're seeing that right now, for example, within the Biden administration, where it seems like every couple of weeks, they're coming out with new restrictions on what types of home appliances you can use. That's a manifestation of how this ESG system is going to be applied, and it's being applied. You're going to be limited the type of appliances you can use, the type of cars you can drive, even to the type of food you can eat. Mm. And we point this out in the episode. We've got people like former Senator John Kerry, who is out here advocating that farmers stop growing food. This is absurd. They really do want you to eat bugs. They really do want that. This is all under the guise of protecting Gaia. They want families to have less children or no children. They don't want farmers growing food. They want the cows killed. Dave, the more we talk about this, and listen, I was I was there when we did this almost four-hour episode. But even as I rehash a lot of this with you, it's mind-boggling. It is.
0: It is mind-boggling. Daryl Harrison with us today here on The Christian Realview, View, the co-host of the Just Thinking podcast. We have it linked uh, at our website, thechristianrealview.org. You talked about in the episode how scientists of the past, and you specifically mentioned Isaac Newton, that these Mm -hmm. scientists were guided primarily by theology as they would do scientific inquiry. You and Virgil said something to the effect that it's so important that we have an understanding of the starting point and the ending point of all things when considering this issue of climate change. What do you mean
1: by that? What was so interesting about us going back to scientists of past centuries and pointing out that they gained their their reality of science through the word of God. Nothing is ex nihilo, meaning out of nothing. I don't care whether it's an idea. You know, David, you've heard the analogy of the watchmaker, the Swiss watchmaker. If you find a, a finely made Swiss watch, we know inherently that that watch didn't just poof, come out of nowhere. There was a, uh, a a trained watchsmith that designed that watch and put that watch together in such a way that all the gears within it work together to make an intricate, valuable timepiece. So, again, as apologists for the gospel, we have to ensure that our foundation is in the truth of God's word. This is what I love about what Virgil did in taking us through the book of Job. I'm looking at Job. Uh, chapter thirty-eight, verse thirty-three. Right now, do you know the ordin- ordinances of the heavens or fix their rule over the earth? God rules over His earth. Nothing that we're seeing happening in the change, as it relates to changes in weather patterns, is ex nihilo, or by accident, or coincidental. It's not even caused by human beings. All of this is regulated by a sovereign God who is watching over His creation. But if we're not grounded, in that reality, as our starting point, if if the truth of God's word is not our starting point, then we're going to be enticed and tempted to go in any one of innumerable erroneous directions and and this is what this movement wants to do this movement wants you living in fear, it wants you living in anxiety, it wants you bowing down to its apocalyptic and erroneous predictions no no not notwithstanding that they never come to pass. There was an article just the other day, uh, David, saying that it's dangerous for black people to go outside. Don't even go outdoors because the temperatures are hot. I mean, this, 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 this is ridiculous. But, but again, th- this is why it's so important to define terms. This is hugely important. Otherwise, we're going to be driven and tossed by the wind, every wind of doctrine. You know, so, so Christians have to be disciplined. We have to be discerning. Because the the father of lies, the devil, is behind this whole uh, this entire climate change movement. So God is the starting
0: point. He is sovereign and the causer of all that happens in the world, and He will determine the end. And man is not going to be able to short t- change uh, God's purposes and plans for the world. That's something that's so important for Christians to know, especially with this issue of climate change. So, final question for you is, Darrell, what would you like Christians listening today? To take away, because again, there can be so much confusion, so much data, so many different voices on this particular issue. What would you like them to take away as to how they should think about biblical stewardship? Yes, I want to care for creation, God's creation, and not be confused or led astray by what the, by what society calls climate change.
1: You know, David, as you asked that question, I'm reminded. I think I was uh, just driving from the grocery store. Uh, earlier this week and I saw someone toss a, a a paper uh soda cup out the window. I mumbled a couple of words at that. You know, no nobody should do that. I mean why should someone just be driving around and just deliberately throw litter out the window? That stewardship is not to do that. Stewardship is to wait until you get home, put that soda cup in the trash where it belongs. Okay? That's that's stewardship. But see climate change again is not that. Climate change is a rejection of the existence of God, and it is a rejection of God's pre-eternal plan to create the earth and to populate it. Climate change is wholly against God's uh, creation ordinance to be fruitful and multiply. It is It totally rejects that worldview. So Climate change fundamentally is a rejection of the book of Genesis, mm-hmm. is a total rejection of that. And that's where our understanding as Christians of the distinction between climate change and biblical stewardship should begin. God gave Adam the charge when God put Adam in the garden. God created the garden and then he put Adam in it and he gave Adam the charge to care for the garden, not to worship it. So that's where this all starts. This all goes back to Genesis chapter two. This is where this all starts as far as our response as Christians to the climate change movement. You have to start there that God was providential and sovereign in creating the earth and his desires that we be fruitful and multiply and populate the earth and to use the resources of the earth, including fossil fuels in a biblical responsible way that doesn't Deliberately damage or put human beings in danger in in the manner in which we use uh, those resources. So we have to be Bereans here, David. We have to get into the word of God, not just to be readers of his word, but students of it. Uh, There's a difference there. And we have to be such students of God's word that we can argue intelligently against this pagan, pantheistic, animistic worldview of climate change, this all about worship of the earth, not stewardship of it. That is not what this is.
0: Daryl, thank you so much for the hard work and study that you and Virgil put in on this topic of climate change for the Just Thinking podcast. And thanks also for coming on the Christian Realview today to give a bit of a, a summary of some of the most important things you learned and tried to communicate to uh, to listeners of your podcasts. We just appreciate what you're doing at Grace to You as well, and we just pray all of God's best to you and your family. Thank you for coming on the program today.
1: You're welcome, Dave. It was good to be with you, brother. Thank you so much.
0: Again, our guest today has been Daryl Harrison, co-host of the Just Thinking podcast, and you can find a link if you'd like to hear their podcast at our website, thechristianrealview.org. I'd just like to play one more sound clip that I think summarizes so well how important this issue of climate change is to the unregenerate world. You have probably remember the name Yuval Noah Harari. He's a thought leader for the World Economic Forum. He's a globalist. He's a best-selling author. He's an Israeli. He's a homosexual. And in this sound clip, he talks about how the lockdowns mandated by governments over COVID showed us the possibilities for government authoritarianism for a much bigger issue as he says of climate change
1: it's not an extremely deadly virus it's not the black death and look what it's doing to the world so now just try to think what will be the implications of a much bigger uh, problem like climate change also conceptually it shows that you can change things on a massive scale you can stop all flights You can lock down entire countries. You can actually do that. And uh, life goes on in some way. And this, I would say, may make us more open to radical ideas about how to deal also with climate change.
0: Yes, and the radical ideas to deal with climate change is for global government to take over so that they can save us from ourselves, right? See, climate change is about far more than efforts to have clean water, air, and soil to recycle, to have less plastics entering into the oceans. Those are all good things. Climate change is about gaining control over people and nations to move the world toward global control. Always remember, unregenerate mankind is always striving to get back to Babel, back to the city of Babel out from under the authority and accountability of God. So don't be deceived when you hear professing Christians urging you to be woke to climate change. God is going to destroy the earth that he created someday. The important thing is not to save this earth, but to spend your eternity on the new earth in the presence of Christ, rather than rejecting God in his offer of salvation and being justly sentenced for eternity in the lake of fire. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You don't need to perish in the lake of fire. You can be saved through repenting of your sin and believing in who Jesus Christ is and what he did for you on the cross. If you'd like to find out more, give us a call or go to our website and click on the page, What Must I Do to be Saved? Thank you for joining us today on the Christian worldview. In just a moment there'll be information on how you can hear a replay of today's program, order transcripts and resources, and support this nonprofit radio ministry. Let's remember, Jesus Christ and His Word are the same yesterday, and today and forever. So think biblically, live accordingly and stand firm. The Christian Worldview is a listener-supported nonprofit radio ministry furnished by the Overcomer Foundation. To make a donation, become a Christian Worldview partner, order resources, subscribe to our free newsletter, or contact us. Visit thechristianworldview.org, call one 2233 or write to Box four zero one Excelsior, Minnesota five five three three one. That's Box four zero one Excelsior, Minnesota. 55331. Thanks for listening to the Christian Worldview.